prophecy from God, we, we do good to pay attention to it. And secondly, we always, typically always, unless there's a big hiccup in the sound booth, we tape, typically, they tape me if I'm going to minister or pastor and I are going to minister through tongues and interpretation so that we can type it out and have it to give to you. Now, if I don't make it public, then you don't need to ask. But if something's said in the Spirit by me at any time here, and I give permission for that to be common material, then you could ask Donna or whoever to get you a copy. And if I tell her don't release it, then she's not going to do that. Now here's the interesting thing. When we read this, Pastor Diana, we had a copy of it, of course, for almost a year. And she read it one day and she said to me, sitting on the couch, I was sitting in a chair next to her. She said, you know, Brother Copeland, the next month gave almost identical prophecy. And maybe we should make this available for people that want to find out from MJM, Michael Jacobs Ministries, on the, what do you call it, internet or website. I don't know if I got all the things right, but you know what I'm saying. So we put it on there so people could get it and they could copy it or make enlarge it and have it printed off or whatever they needed to do. So I'm saying to you, to me, this is another bullet in my gun. And if we were paying attention, which certainly I was, at least to some level, it starts out, I want to read this first part and show, share with you what you should do if you read something like this. Cast, uh, cast all your cares on me, saith the Lord, for yourself, for your families, for this church, for the future, for this nation. So I would go immediately, my mind, because I'm kind of a word man, I already know 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all of my cares, all of my worries, all my anxieties, the Greek says, just like the Amplified says, all my cares, all my, cast them all on God. Don't take any of them back. Not just for me, but pray for my family, for this church, for this nation. So this got kind of mushroomed out as I was talking. But see, you have to put some scriptures to this, and you have to pray it out. I mean, this is what I did. I said, Father, I thank you. I'm rolling all my care on you based on the Word of God. I don't have a care. I'm, I'm going to quit caring. I'm in the no care club. Some people are in the no hair club. I'm in the no care club. <laughs> Yeah, I'm telling you, you can get any club you want if you mean it. Now, your, your mate may not like it. Your children may not like it. Your grandpa may hate it. Somebody, aunt, some aunt that goes to some other church may not like it. That don't mean diddly squat to you. You could stand on it. And if because he said that, you ought to pay attention. There's something coming trying to shake you into care. I mean, can you see that? I'm just trying to help you. This, we don't just write things down to be cute and say, well, look what the Lord said. And I could miss it too. And I'm sure Brother Copeland, if he was here, he'd tell you the same thing or he's not the real deal. Because we're human and we could miss it. However, I don't think we did. And I go down about a paragraph. I'm just sharing a little tidbit with you to show you how you should pray about it. Uh, the best days of this nation are yet ahead, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. The money will come for the visions you have. The money will come for the churches you oversee. Boy, I paid attention to that. I got two, let's see, two, three pastors under me that all have just bought land recently and are going to build a building. And one of them sitting right here, and I've sowed into all their ministries and many others. But anyway, just talking. But he said the money would come. So when God says give so much, I just give it. It doesn't matter how much it is. I'm not telling you how much, but the money will come for you personally. I'm reading under the second paragraph down here at the top. Uh, let me find where I was at. The money will come for you personally as you fall in love with me and draw close to me and live close to me, saith the Lord, for my spirit is in you. We just sang that. He's in us. He's all around us, but he's in us. And like Jordan preached this morning, Pastor Jordan, a great message. The Lord is in you to lead you. Not just the word. The word's critical, but it's not just the word. It's the word and the spirit on the inside speaking to you that you have an ear to hear that. Let me just say something real quick here if you can receive it. And I'm going to go on to my real message in just a minute. You know, some of you are so legalistic about the Word. If God speaks to you, you don't do it. Because you don't have a scripture and verse for it. You ought to be able to know if it's God talking or not. You know, if my wife calls me, I know it's my wife talking to me and I'm listening. When Dr. Dufresne was here and he called, I knew him. Now, you know, not everybody else I know that well, but I know them. 
And when God speaks to you, I just jump out and do that. Hallelujah. My spirit is in you to lead you and guide you. And don't forget to rely on him and lead him in every area of life where he desires to give you purpose. Like what Pastor Jordan's been teaching is about the blessing. He desires to give you strength. I talked about that this morning and praying for the Stilger family. You know, Miss Patricia went to heaven. He desires to give you direction even in the tiniest of details, saith the Lord God. So roll all your care on me today knowing I'm working in your behalf. And then drop down about another uh, two scriptures, I mean two lines. He says, we shall prevail. Truth shall reign. The churches shall rise up in this nation even in a greater measure. Revival is on the horizon. Revival is here. It's beginning and you will see it come to pass. In many of your lifetimes, saith the Spirit of God. So don't lose hope and don't turn back. We go on and on. Now the last paragraph, practically is a big paragraph. It starts out, now don't be disturbed. Don't be disturbed. Listen, there's a lot of things coming that will disturb you if you're going to stay in your flesh your whole life. But we're people of the Spirit. Does it mean that we don't recognize that things are trying to challenge us? We just do something with the challenge. That's as we push back. We don't lay down and let it run us over. We resist it for us personally. You remember Psalm 91, you do remember that. It said a thousand fall at one side and ten thousand at your right hand but it won't come near you. That's pretty big talking. We're not wanting anybody to get hurt in anything. That's not what I'm preaching. I'm just saying you are different than the world. If you'll take it, you're living in Goshen. In the Old Testament, that's a type of us. All the plagues hit the Israelites, I mean the Egyptians, because they were stubborn, because their boss was stubborn, the Pharaoh. Yeah. So don't be disturbed. Or the unbeliever or those who say they believe but really don't believe, it will disturb you. But if you have to, but don't if you don't have to be that way, say if the spirit doesn't have to be that way, you rely on me, you stay in my word until my word is in you. I'm gonna to talk to you tonight about that, how to get the word in you, because it's critical. And when my word is in you, truth will speak through you and truth will light you up, and you'll go forth in victory and strength and enjoyment. And power and peace will be on you. It goes on to say many will crumble. So you just take this and take it in bite-sized pieces. Or let me say it to you a little. Let's spread it out just a tad more. I've only been talking 10 minutes. I just wanted to give you some insight. Because if you get the paper and you stick it in your Bible and never read it, never pray about it, don't do you a bit of good. You should have just not took one. Just leave it in your chair when you leave. We'll get rid of it. But if you're paying attention, everybody in this group today, including me, I will read that and I'll get something different out of it than Jessica. Because I'm not Jessica. I'm not Diana. I'm not Pastor Jordan. I'm not Josh Gedney. I'm not Dan Wells. And whatever you get out of that that speaks to you, that's the Spirit of God quickening you to pay attention to that. Just like when you read the Bible, I'm not putting a prophecy by me, listen to me carefully, on the same level as Scripture. But there is an element of God speaking through a prophet that's a different level than just simple gift of prophecy. <laughs> it's got prediction in it. And a lot of it is helping us to avoid the crumbling that many people are doing. And I'm, you know, I'm, I know that's tough. I know, especially people that haven't lived by faith. And that may mean a lot of people that go to church that don't live by faith. They just got good credit and a paycheck, and it looks like faith to other people, but God knows if it's really faith. And even I know sometimes if it's really faith, not every time. Anyway, how many got something out of that little mini teaching? So this is why prophecy is important to us, is to get those prophecies and pray them out. And, and when it says some will crumble, say, Father, let it not be me. You've teaching me how to stand, Father. I'm still talking about that prophecy, just a minute or two more. Father, you said that I could stand in having done all. Go through whatever comes on this planet. Go through it all and still be standing. I'm not like the world. I'm not trying to be like them. I don't want any part of it. I don't want anything the devil gives. I know you don't either if you're smart. You want what God has for you. Hallelujah. Okay, you with me now? 
All right, now you're going to give me, that was just extra time, just free time to talk about that. Let's turn to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. I'm going to talk to you tonight, maybe next week too, I don't know yet. But I want to talk to you about seeding, S-E-E-D-I-N-G, for your future. Seeding for your future. You know, if you don't have a goal and you don't have hope and you don't have a blueprint, you're not going nowhere. You just stay the same. And I've seen it in this church as well as every church I've pastored. People be with me 15 years and didn't change a bit. Got mad over something trivial, left the church, took their family out, their kids out, and now life's a mess for them. They didn't change a bit. You, you have to be willing to change and you have to be willing to see you have a future in God and you're going, you, I'm talking to every one of you personally now, and me, I've got a seed for the future. And that's not just finances, that's part of it. But tonight I'm really talking about speaking the word. Seeding for my future. See, I've been doing this almost 40 years now. When I got a revelation, I didn't have a revelation when I first got saved about it. <laughs> In fact, I tore up a, fine, a really fine, good truck one time with my words. When I didn't know this, I'd just been saved a couple of years and I bought this vehicle and it fell apart at every joint and socket and I, if I hadn't been saved, I'd have cussed it. But I pretty much cussed it out anyway. I cursed the thing. And I, I got so mad one day, I'm going to pour gasoline on you and burn you in my front yard. <laughs> now you can see why the thing fell apart. Yeah, it sure did. I didn't see that till years later, and I went, uh-oh, I tore that truck up myself. <laughs> I know you wouldn't admit you tore up anything in your life, but trust me, you have. Because you didn't seed the right words for it. You didn't seed all the vehicles I've had since then, I talked to them. I talked to them before I buy them, then when I buy them, I talk to them. Hallelujah. Say, so you're an anointed vehicle. You don't have accidents. You run good. You're fixed easy. And on and on I go with it. All right. Psalm, I mean, Isaiah 55. I want to start there tonight. We're talking about seeding for your future. Let me say a little comment before I get into this, Isaiah 55. It would be the law of gradual spiritual progression, too. You're not going to say something tonight and it changed by tomorrow morning most times because you're going to have to stay with it. You have to stay with it just every day and every day and every night. And even when you don't want to do it and even when it don't feel good to do it and it hurts to do it in your head, you just take a bad attitude, take that attitude and get run that bad attitude out and say, no, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get in the Bible. We're going to straighten out our bad talking, which comes out of bad thinking, which comes out of bad doing. <laughs> yeah. So we can think right and believe right and talk right and receive right. So I'm going to talk to you tonight about seeding seeds. You speak when you speak words, you're seeding for your future. You're seeding for your future. So it's imperative that we do this. So let's begin here, Isaiah 55, and he says in verse eight, he says, uh, "For my thoughts are not your thoughts." But now he's talking in verse seven to the wicked. So he's really not talking to us directly, but indirectly, because if we haven't renewed our mind to the Bible, then our thoughts are not his thoughts. You just kind of go along with the world's way of thinking, or what your mama told you, or what your grandpa told you, or somebody you respect. And they may have been good people, but maybe they didn't know about what I'm teaching. Seeding for your future. I love my parents. They're honorable people, my mother and father both. But they never saw the, really the reality of this in their life to seed for their future. So they struggled their whole life with four of us kids. Always buying used cars that were already beat up and abused and so forth. I could go on and on. I mean, I love my parents, but they, they never got, well, they were in a church that didn't teach this. Are you kidding? They never brought up talking right in church that I grew up in, except don't cuss. Don't tell dirty jokes. But this is way beyond that. This is seeding for your future. You're planting seeds for your future that will come up. And eventually they'll come up. And they're almost catching you while you're putting seed in the ground. There's a crop coming up right behind you. That can get into that level. I have chapter and verse for that. We'll see if we get to it tonight. How many are listening? Yes, sir. 
And notice what he says, my thought, verse 8, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Brother Pastor Jordan talked about being in the right way this morning instead of being in the wrong way or the wrong path. Same thing. It says here, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And he didn't say we couldn't figure it out. He just said that's the way I operate because he's the most high. He's higher than us, but he's going to show us something here. So are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and makes it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. In other words, if I take the words of God and put it in my mouth and speak it back to him, I was going to show us, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But he's saying the rain that comes down waters the earth, whatever is planted in the earth brings forth. The soil, your heart, doesn't determine what it's going to grow. You're putting things in there. And some of you are believing for a corn crop and you're, you're sowing tomatoes. And you're not going to ever get corn sowing tomatoes. You're never coming out of debt telling how you don't have anything. No, you begin to be a tither. That would be the first step I'd recommend, not to get your money, to get money to you. And then give offerings on top of that and then tithe on everything you have like I do and have for many years. I've got four different accounts and all of them have been tithed on and much, 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 much more. Because I'm a giver. I'm not bragging. That's just God helped me. I became like him. He's a giver. <laughs> Everything I got, he gave me. <laughs> Hallelujah. So shall my word be, verse 11, that goes forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void. Now that's important. How's it going to return to God? You're going to return it. I'm going to return it. Father, you said I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So this new job I'm applying for, when I get it, I'm going to be able to do it with excellence because you said I could do all things through Christ. And the next time temptation knocks on my door to do thus and such, just fill in the blanks, I'm not going to do that because you said, thanks be unto God who gives me the victory through Jesus my Lord. Therefore I'm immovable and steadfast. And knowing that my labor is not in vain. And the labor I'm talking about now is taking the time to seed for your future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. But I just, this is what God told me to talk to you about. And you, may, you have a level of that, I'm sure, going on already. But you need to step it up. Yeah. It'll not return unto me void, or we would say idle. So if I take his word, whatever part of his word, and particularly out of the letters is where I would go, and there's other places too, and return that to him. You said, Father, you'd be my refuge. And my, that's in Psalm 91. And I'm to say of you, you're my refuge, you're my fortress, and my God, and in you will I trust. <laughs> I've been saying that on every vehicle I've been on for the last 30 years probably. Every bus, every taxi. Every preacher's car I got in that looked like it was falling apart. Every plane ride I've been on, some of those seemed like they were falling apart. Especially in Cuba and Russia. I know what I'm talking about here. But you got a seed for it. <laughs> you got a seed for it. We had 9-11, everybody just, oh my gosh, I can't believe this has happened. Well, what did you think would happen when you let down on something? Hey, I'm sorry it happened, but it happened. But I wasn't going to let that knock me out of doing what I was told. And I was scheduled to go to South America the next day, or the next few days, rather, three or four days after that. I got on a plane, ain't nobody friendly. Everybody's scared out of their gourd. I'm telling you, that is the quietest plane ride I've ever been on. And a guy in 1A, he may have been on medication, I don't know. He got, got his briefcase. We're just, we just took off, we're up in the air, 30,000 feet. And he takes his briefcase around where the stewardess sits, and that whole first class, except me, jumped to their feet. You know what they were going to do? Beat the you-know-what out of him. But I'd already prayed Psalm 91 before I, it took off. And the angels bear me up. And I even said this, and if I got a lunatic on a mountain that's got a rocket launcher on his shoulder, 
have the angel put his finger in the front end of that and blow his shoulder off. That'll be the end of that deal. You think like that? I sure think like that. Yes, I think like that. And even if the angels have to put a parachute on my seat, if the plane explodes, I will go to the ground safely. Thank you. I didn't say that out loud to the people because they'd freak out me saying stuff like that. Seeding for your future. I'm talking to you personally, not your mama, not your grandpa, not your children, not your grandchildren. I'm talking about you. <laughs> not your husband or wife, but you. You've got to seed for your future. It says here, it will not return unto me void, but it will accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Now hold your hand right here. We're coming right back. But go over to Psalm 107, and we get more insight into what he just said here, which was, uh, it will accomplish my word that's returned to me, not just his word. No, it's not just his word, but it's his word getting in your mouth and coming out of your mouth. That word will not return void. It wouldn't return empty. It, it becomes effectual. It becomes energized. It becomes active. It becomes strong when it comes back out of you. And that's the way you plant it. And I don't think I'll have time to talk about it, but I'm going to mention right here. And that's the way you put light on it. The entrance of his word giveth light to the seed you just planted and the washing of the water of the word is how you speak it again. And you water your seed and you put light on your seed. And if you know anything about seeds, and I'm not a farmer, but it takes water and light to make anything grow. You know, there's seeds out in the desert in Arizona that have never come forth because there's not enough rain to bring it forth. Yeah, there's seeds in the ground out there. They're just barren because they don't have enough water unless they've irrigated it. Or sunlight to bring it. They got sun, plenty of sunlight out there. It dries everything out. All right, so it says here, but it'll accomplish that which I please, the word. So let's go back here and see what the word does. He sent his word, Psalm 107, verse 20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. So this is the purpose of his, his word being returned to God. And they won't come back void. Hallelujah. It'll, it'll, it'll have activity on it when you return it to God. Now, Father, you said thus and such. Father, you said you've made me a capable minister of the new covenant. See, I started saying that about 1978 when I first got a hold that he was telling me to cast out devils. I knew nothing about it. I'd never seen anybody cast the devil out. I'd never read of anybody to cast the devil out other than Jesus. And he told, me to he told me, don't read other people's books about it, Michael, and don't listen to other people's tapes about it. And there were some good people that had read some things, like Dr. Lester Summerall, who I later found out about him, bought all of his books on deliverance. And Norval Hayes, Brother Kenneth Hagin. But at that time, I just had to find scriptures that said God would make me adequate to deal with the devil in people without being intimidated. Don't care if they spit their tongue out at me or they made a funny gesture or they got mad about it. I wasn't going to be afraid of no devil in a human or an animal. Made my mind up based on Scripture and started saying that to Father. No weapon formed against me will ever prosper. Now, I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on the Word. It says He sent His Word and healed us. He didn't send the Word to heal us. He sent the Word and it healed us, the Hebrew says. The Word heals you. When you have the Word in you, it will heal you automatically. Now we thank God for prayer lines and all that. We won't do that tonight and lay hands on people. But I'm going to get back to it pretty soon. I don't think I'm going to do that tonight. But I'm not pushing the envelope. I'm just saying He sent His Word and healed me and delivered us from our destructions. Didn't say anything about the devil. And this is the reason why I see a lot of people get in trouble. They talk wrong. I don't know, I, you, know you hear it on TV constantly, I don't know how we're going to get through this. Well, we're going to get through it by faith. Right. Amen. Or we're going to fail. Right. Well, do whatever you like, but I mean, I'm going to get through it by faith. Yeah. And I really, I'm not making fun of people because I realize when people living without faith, 
and living on a low level of mentality, it's tough right now for them. They, maybe they haven't had a check in a couple. You know, there's people slid through the cracks. You know, but your government was never supposed to provide for you. Jesus was to be your provider. <laughs> I mean, the last two years I've hardly traveled at all. I've had all kinds of issues in my family I've needed to be home for. And God took care of us supernaturally to the level he was taking care of me when I was traveling every week. And I haven't begged or sent somebody a, a, what do you call it, sad heart letter. If you don't give, I'm going under. No, they just keep giving and some of them give more. And I haven't said a thing about needing anything to anybody. I'm on the side of giving. And if you take care of the side of giving, the receiving will come. It may not come next Friday by 8 o'clock, but it'll come. I'm going to read this again. I want you to see this. He sent his word to heal us and deliver us from our destructions. The most destructive thing you have is your mouth. The most enlightening thing you have is your mouth. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Not this little piece of meat in my mouth, but the words that I'm saying out of my heart and out of my mouth. And that's why my heart needs to be full of the word. Your heart needs to be full of the word. And, and you know what? I'm not going to do it for you. I'm trying to help you to see you can do it. <laughs> yeah. Now let's go back Psalm, I mean Isaiah 55. I'm sure not done with that yet. So shall my word be, verse 11, that goes forth out of my mouth. It will not return unto me void. you got God's word. If you'll return it to him, it will start being effectual in you. It will start being effective in you. Hallelujah. And it'll prosper in the thing wherein he sent it, and he sent it to heal us and deliver us. Verse 12, for you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. That's a definition really of having faith. In Romans 15, 13, I shared that last week with you. If you have joy and peace, that, that's a good marker that you're in faith. If you don't have peace about it, don't do it. <laughs> I don't care what somebody tells you, don't do it. Hallelujah. And, and the hill shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. One time when I had my airplane, I was looking out, and I had a couple guys with me. I said, you see those trees down there? They're clapping for me. <laughs> Way to go. Way to go, Doc. <laughs> yeah, they sure were. See, because I believe this. And they're, they're clapping, say, go take the gospel to that country. Go take the gospel to this state. Take the gospel to that city. Right, Hallelujah. Now watch this here. Verse 13, instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree. So there's implication there. If I didn't give God his word back out of my mouth, it wouldn't become effectual. And it would cause there to be thorns coming up instead of the briar tree shall come up for the myrtle tree. And it shall be for the Lord for a name for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. So there is a difference when you begin to speak the word and when you don't speak it over things. And whatever you find that you're doing in life, believe God for it. I believe God to have favor wherever I go. I believe God to have favor wherever I go. Hallelujah. Now, let's go. I want to show you, though, verse 13 is the key here. Instead of what would have come up, something good's going to come up, something to help you live, something to help feed you, some seed, additional seed for you to sow in finances, but also with the words of your mouth. Go back to Proverbs 24 with me a minute. Let's see. This is, and I'm not rebuking anybody. I'm just teaching the Bible. Hopefully you could receive it. It's a good teaching. How to seed for your future. And it's going to give us some qualities that need to be in place for us to do that in Proverbs 24 and verse 30 through 34. I'm going to let you find that, Proverbs 24, verse 30 and following. I went by the field of the slothful, we would say lazy in our day, and by the vineyard of a man void of understanding. Now, you don't need to be void of understanding because why? Let me give you a chapter, James 1 and 5. Any man lack wisdom or woman, boy or girl, let him ask of God that gives to all men, and he doesn't upbraid you. He doesn't talk smart like to you because you're, you're dumb in that area. I'll put it that way. You can see God's not putting me down because I don't know something. He's, re, he's concerned when I don't ask him. 
I think Jordan said this morning he's going to do what God said because that's being a wise human being. <laughs> yeah. But this guy was void of understanding and he was lazy. You know, you could be a real good worker at the plant and be lazy as anything when it comes to what I'm teaching. Because you're going to have to spend some time in this book. And not only just spending time in the book, spending time saying it, speaking it, believing it. And when you first start saying it, it's just like planting a garden. Things don't come up overnight. It comes up over a period of time. And sometimes you have to use a fertilizer or weed killer or whatever you do to get the Johnson grass and other strangling things that try to strangle your plants you planted or you'll have just a crop of weeds. The weeds will take it over. And verse 31, and lo, it was all grown over with thorns. There it is again. Because he was lazy and he didn't have understanding, things came up that he didn't want. Thorns and nettles that covered the face thereof and the stone wall was broken down. Boy, he didn't even take care of the fence around there. And I saw and considered it well and looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth and thy want as an armed man. Now that's a pretty sad picture there. But I'm trying to show you this because we don't want to qualify for this scripture. We want to be energetic. We want to be full of joy. We, and like Jordan taught us so well this morning, we do what we do because we get to do this. Somebody asked me one time, they should have never said it. They said, how come you use so many scriptures? You have to use that many? No, we get to. You get to use scriptures. And I still don't teach like I used to teach. I mean, you know, Dale and Arlene can tell you, I get up in Lotisco and we preach two and a half hours. And I was angry if he got up and went to the bathroom. <laughs> Willie was there, he could tell you that. So, you know, we don't do that anymore. That's overkill sometimes. And people can only handle so much, I realize it. But I'm trying to show you the opposite side of a person who doesn't pay attention to what I'm teaching you tonight. And then you're lazy and you won't put your hand to the plow. You won't put your effort to it. And I'm not saying that people aren't doing it. I'm sure you are. But I'm trying to reinforce that in you that you have to seed. You have to seed for your own future. And if you don't seed the right things, the wrong things are coming. Like Dr. Refrain said, I got a good ministry, but I can be broke in the morning if I don't watch what I'm saying and what I'm, how I'm living and what I'm believing. Hallelujah. You still here? <laughs> okay. Let's go back to Genesis 8. Now we're getting down to the meat and taters, so to speak. Chapter 8 of Genesis. We're going to take this as far as we can. We've only been preaching 35 minutes. Did you reset the clock after I did my introduction or is that part of it? Somebody talk to me back there. That's part of it. So I've really been talking about 25 minutes. I'm going to take that extra 10 that I talked about prophecy. Just, and if you got to go, there's the door. I'm sorry, but give me some time to teach something to you that's meaningful. I have done this most of my life. And my wife can tell you, occasionally I've let it slip. I've told on myself before, I'm not going to go back and tell all my goof-ups. But sometimes I did. I just let things slip. But very seldom. Because I paid attention to what I say. It felt like saying everything wrong at times. I've had that kind of immense pressure. And I'm not even going to tell you the pressure that I've had the last two or three years, really. Just on my brain, my head. But I've just rebuked it and refused it and declared, no, you know, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move forward. I'm the, I'm the redeemed of the Lord and you cannot do this to me, Satan. I bind you. I rebuke you. And I'm going to move on. So you might as well back up out of me or I'm going to run over top of you. And I made a decision like that 40 years ago and I've just kept with it. I mean, it isn't the easiest thing sometimes to do when you have all the feelings of discouragement. Or dare I say Depression. But I've learned not to yield to that. Yeah. Yeah, I, had, I, I dealt with depression in the 70s. You know, when I was a drug addict and then I went to a mental hospital and stuff. I know what I'm talking about now, I'm telling you. And then I woke up, I was free of all that until 1990. And I woke up January 1, 1990. I'm going to tell this on myself just so you know. You, you may have to do some things like this in your lifetime. I hope you won't. If you listen to me tonight, you'll be better than... I was back then. 
But anyway, I woke up January 1, and there stood depression in front of me. I knew it. I knew that's what it was by the Holy Ghost. And just seemed like I just want to pull the covers up and go back to bed. But I'm pastoring this church. I'm still in intense pain in my side, which I've been in for over 10 years at that point. And I just said, you're a liar, Satan. I'm getting up. Get out of my way. And I didn't tell my wife. That went on January, February, March, April, May, every day. June, July, August, September, October, November, December. 365 days of that nonsense. And not just one time a day, maybe several times a day, he would appear to me, the spirit of depression, and i said, I know who you are. I remember you back from the 70s, and I'm not allowing you back in my life. You might as well just get your stuff and get off out of here because I'm not going to take it. I said to my wife after January 1, I got up, it was gone. I told her maybe in a month or two after that, I said, did I act funny last year? What do you mean funny? I said, I was depressed for a year. Every day I had, let me say it different, I had to deal with the symptoms of depression. I didn't even know you were dealing with anything. (laughs) And I'm I'm not some hero here. I'm just telling you, I learned that from the Bible and I learned it from Jesus. You know, his words in Luke 4 and Matthew 4 drove the devil out. He couldn't handle it. Jesus put the word on him three different times there, you know. And he left. He left for a more opportune time. I don't know why 1990 was such a drop in the realm of the spirit where that appeared like that. But it was there for every day of 1990. But I got delivered. Hallelujah. Sometimes you just have to stay with things. I didn't say it was fun. It's just it's doable because... I either did that or I had to just uh, either go on medication or be a depressed person. And my wife didn't know it. She lives with me. She ought to have discerned it if it was evident that I was acting that way. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. I'm not trying to paint a picture that I'm a hero. I'm just saying I learned these things from Jesus and the Bible and I put them to practice in my life and they work. And, And a lot of times things have just left in a moment of a few seconds. When I said, I know who you are, you get your stuff and get up out of here. You know, or something like that. And that just left and just didn't return whatever I'm talking about. Different things at different times. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're still with me. I'm talking about seeding. S-E-E-D-I-N-G. Seeding for your future. And this is your seed book. Remember, and let me, I'm in Genesis 8, but just let me give you this just real while I'm thinking of it. Haggai 2 I think it's 18 or 19, said is the seed yet in the barn. In other words, I lived on a farm for several years before I came into ministry. I wasn't the farmer. There were farmers lived behind me. <laughs> and, and, you know, they had, they had huge hoppers of seeds, and they had all this equipment out, 600 acres they farmed. And, you know, if they didn't plant the seed, guess what they got? Nothing. Johnson grass and other crab grass and all kinds of stuff that just grows seemed like without any help at all from you. Weeds. They got a crop of weeds. But they didn't. They went out there and tilled the land and planted and had these giant hoppers. I mean, the guy had a massive tractor. Yeah. And they took the seed in the barn and put it in their hoppers. Their hoppers are things, I'm just saying, like a, a machine on the back of a tractor and it goes along, boom, 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 boom. It drops seed in the holes or it plants it in there so deep. They have all sophistication stuff now. But anyway, hallelujah, this is your seed book. Look at the word as if it's a seed for your life to get you out of everything that doesn't bless you and take care of you and minister to you. God didn't create, God didn't create us to live in this planet beat down, beat up, sick, mentally, physically, emotionally, or any other way. Financially, look at Genesis 8, 22. I know this is a familiar scripture to us, but let's look at it again. While the earth remaineth, and we're still, I'm still standing on the earth and your feet are on the ground, so the earth's still here. Seed time and harvest, cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. We could just say, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest shall not cease. So there's always seed time and harvest in our life. Whenever, you know, this is how I think about things. And if I come up to a period of time and it seems like, man, that seems indistinct to me. Some of the word that I'd been praying. 
it seems indistinct to me. If you understand the term why I'm saying that, it doesn't seem as sharp to me as it should be. It doesn't seem as clear to me as it once was. Then I get myself and I say, get back in there, your office and go read your Bible again, Michael. I treat myself like I'm a teacher. Not a Bible teacher, but a teacher of myself to get back in that word. Because it should be crisp and full of energy. <laughs> you know, you could have a... I'm on a diet right now, so I'm not eating this, but I like sweet potatoes. But you can't live on the remembrance of a sweet potato. You might make your mouth water. But if you don't have a sweet potato, you're not getting no nourishment. How many understand that? You can't live on what it used to taste like because it's not there now. So you got to. So when things become indistinct to me, I just go back to the things I know to do. And they'll tell it. He's one of the few. Willie Bussey's another one. Crystal Stilger. I don't know if she's here tonight. She was here. And some of the ones. And Donna's been with me a long time. And and uh, I'm really not teaching anything new. I'm teaching the things things I taught back in 1978. Hopefully, I'm a little better at it. Maybe I got a few more illustrations that are better. But I'm same message. I'm not trying to find new new revelation comes to me by preaching the things that work. I'm not trying to be fancy and tickle your ears with some new revelation I got. The revelation I got's working for me. It works quite well when I work it. And this is the key to it right here, seeding for my future. I said something somebody really close to me recently. I said, "You need to think bigger." I'm thinking bigger than you. You need to think bigger and catch up with me. It's none of your business who it was. I just said you need to think bigger. It was me. <laughs> well, I never said a word. <laughs> you know, if you had a good husband or a good right. wife, oh, right. and I was right. Now, I'm not trying to be right, and I wasn't telling on you. But see, if, if somebody doesn't challenge you to think bigger, you don't. <laughs> I mean, you know, nobody, nobody ever had to wake me up to go to work. I just learned that when I was a young man and had a strong work ethic, even when I didn't like going to work sometimes. I was just tough on myself. Because I wanted a job, I wanted to learn something. And it's just like that today. I'm still, I'm 70 years young. <laughs> I'm 70 years young, praise God. But see, I decided when I was about 35, 38, that I was going to live a long life. I decided back then, I said, Father, you're going to have to share with me and teach me how to live a longer life than I'm thinking. No, I'm not going to retire. I'm refiring. Yeah, I'm not planning to go home for quite a while, a long time from now. Let me say that. But, you know, you can't do it if you're not healthy and if you're not strong and you're not doing these things. What would be the purpose of hanging around? Okay, so seed time and harvest is the law. You can call it seed time and harvest. You can call it giving and receiving. You can call it seed time and harvest or whatever you want to call it. But it's a, it's a law that works continually in the earth. And I'll remind you, Galatians says, don't, don't be mocked. God is not mocked because whatever you sow, that will you reap. Yes. So, you know, we have to determine that we're going to sow the right things, which is the word I'm talking about. Now go back to Genesis 1 with me just for a minute. Hallelujah. Are you getting anything out of this? And, you know, just take it in bite-sized pieces. I'm not telling you you've got to look up 50 scriptures every day, but you could get a concordance for 20 bucks, probably from Amazon, a, a Strong's or a Young's or whichever you like better. I like them both. And, and just look up some words that if you're dealing with things of unrest and you need peace, I'd get a concordance. Or if you've got a good Bible, it may have a concordance in it in the back or a, a par partial concordance. Look up all the scriptures on peace and then start meditating on those. Brother Les, where's he at? Is he here tonight? Oh, he's out the back here taking care of things. You know, he heard me tell that scripture I used this morning about funerals. Every funeral home I've been to for the last 35 years, I've signed my name and her name and put Psalm 2911. And I don't know if everybody looked at it. I think a lot of them did because they commented later to me, you know the scripture you wrote in a little journal that you signed in when you came? I said, yeah. Man, that really helped us. We read that to our family. We got strength out of that. We got peace out of that. Of course, we miss our 
beloved whoever beloved left, you know, but it helped us so much. And, and Les brought that to my attention. You taught that 30 years ago, Dr. Jacobs, Psalm 29:11. You said, I thought about it too. I've thought about it a lot since you first brought it up. See, I find scriptures. I'm not the sharpest tool in the toolkit, but I, I can study and I can look up things. Now, let's look here. Now, this is interesting. In Genesis 1, I'm not going to go over all this, but I want to go over a little bit. It's six times it says, and God said, and God saw. 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 I don't know if that's five or six, but he did it six times to show us how you're going to see any difference. You're going to have to say it. And let me just help you to realize in the first few verses there, he didn't create the world in darkness. How could he do that? He don't have any darkness about him. <laughs> but he looked out there and saw darkness and he said, light be. He said what he wanted to come. What do you think God would say if he was, uh, you know, bankrupt? Abundance Come. Now, you can't be stingy and selfish. You could do that and say that, and it won't work for you because you've got nothing in your doing to back that up, that comment. But you could say, and you should say, and I say, I have a supply. I have a supply for everything I need. You know, I'm thinking again about an airplane, and we'll see here, and I've got some connections. We're going to see how the Lord leads me in that. I'm not ready to make that decision right today, but I'm just talking to you. You know, it takes money to do whatever you do in the earth. Even just shipping me and my body, you know, just taking my body with me and being shipped all over the world to preach the gospel for 35 years, about 110 mission trips and counting. That's cost about $400,000, if I remember right. I figured it up one time. Between three dollars and $400,000. Just to send me somewhere to get off an airplane, preach to people, and get back on another airplane, come back home, bring my dirty clothes home, wash them, get back on another. You know, and I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it takes money. Somebody says the gospel's free. Yeah, but it costs money to pump it. You're going to pump it through a pipeline of something. All right. So God said and God saw, and you're going to have to say things if you're going to see them different. If you're calling things that are as though they are, they're staying that way. I just don't ever seem to get ahead. Well, then you're doing something wrong. I mean, just be frank with you. God never, God never created us to stay the same. It may not be by quantum leaps. You know what that means, don't you? But it should be a little bit of a step, a little bit of a leap that you're moving forward. I mean, Pastor Diane and I, we've been, I've been saved almost 50 years. And tithing almost that long, maybe 47 years or something like that. I don't know. I'd have to think it through. Maybe not quite that. But, and then we give offerings, and we just, we're just about the Father's business. And now I'm coming into my harvest years. It's 70. I didn't come into that harvest years when I was 45, or 52, or 61. I mean, there was an element of coming into some, but not to the level it seems to come now. I believe God. I know you do too. And we need to continue to believe God for a, a different level of everything that he's offering. The peace, the joy, the strength, the wisdom. Now let's go down here. This is important. I'm talking about seeds you sow. Look at verse 11 here and 12. I think that's the two verses. And then we're going to go in a little different direction for a few more minutes. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, verse 11 of Genesis 1, and herb yielding seed... And the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself. Underline that phrase or make a note of it on your notes if you're taking, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. So my point is, whatever you're sowing, the seed is in itself for what you're sowing. I mean, I've given money for a long time, but I've, I don't know how many times I've given away in my lifetime. 
And I don't know how many shoes I bought other preachers in my life and missionaries and helpers in the churches. And, and I'm not bragging on me. I'm just saying I couldn't do all that when I started, but I was believing for that to step up, and it did. And cars. <laughs> Helped Dr. Dufresne with his airplane. I loaned mine to his. Loaned my plane to him for two years there, two or three years, whatever, just talking. The seed is in itself. If you need health seeds, you need to find scriptures like, by his stripes, I was healed. He bore my sicknesses and carried my diseases. And by his stripes, I'm healed. The life of God flows in my body. The life of God. I say it this way. This, the word feeds my spirit. It renews my mind. And it energizes or quickens, makes alive my physical body. Amen. Every cell. I think every cell in your body, if I remember uh, clinically or whatever, is replaced every 11 years or something. Is that right, doctor? Uh, well, check on that for me. Sounds good. But see, you've got to get renewed in things. And the Word does that. The Word quickens me. It makes me alive unto God. It makes me alive into things to God. It creates in me the life of God. We just sang about it. Let's just don't sing it and walk away and forget it. He's with me. He's beside me. He's behind me. He's underneath me. <laughs> he's in me. He's around me. Hallelujah. But he's in here. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. We need to be thinking like that. The seed is in itself. The seed is in itself. Whatever you're sowing, you're sowing seeds through the words of your mouth. Are you still here with me, aren't you? All right, let's go over to uh, Luke 17. I think maybe I might stop over there. I have a lot more here, but I'm going to not just run you in the ground with time. But first of all, let's go to Luke 17 and look at verse 20 and 21. And then we'll go to Luke 17, verse 1. But I want to look at this a minute. Luke 17, verse 20, 21. And when he was demanded, this is Jesus, of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. See, the kingdom is in us. Say that, the kingdom is in me. The is in me. See, and that kingdom operates by seed sown. The sower soweth the word. I, just stay with me in Luke 17. But in Luke 8 of 11, it says the seed is the word of God. I don't know if I'll get to that tonight. We may wait till next Sunday. But see, the kingdom of God is in you. And it works by a process, a law of spirit, gradual spiritual observation and spiritual revelation. It comes little by little by little. Are you listening? The kingdom is within you. That's important to know. Now let's go to Luke, I mean 17, I'm still in it, but go back to verse 1, look at this. Then said he unto his disciples, It is impossible that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones. He's talking about the people, the disciples there. In verse 1, he's talking to them about not offending children and stuff. You know, he had a problem with his staff sometimes. They wanted to shoo the children away. Verse 3, take heed to yourselves. This is Jesus speaking. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day, turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And I think that's just a, a play on words. A seven is the number of completion. It wouldn't matter if a guy came back to you or a woman and said, I'm sorry, I repent 35 times. You should still forgive them. Yeah. Remember, I'm telling you, if you want to get hung up with the devil, just be hateful. Yeah. Just be resentful. Just be bitter. Yeah. No, I'm not saying you are, but listen, we've got to clear the air around us yeah. and do you good to stand in the mirror and just tell yourself, I forgive everybody of everything. I don't care what they did or said or how they acted or what malicious lies they told. I forgive them, Father. I pray that you would bless them if there's any way, but I'm not going to hold any grudges. That's right. I'm not going to be uh, offended by that. And I forgive everybody. And they said, Lord, increase our faith. In other words, <laughs> they thought that's such a hard thing to do. 
Can you see it, how weak they were in their brain, their mind, their thinking? Seven times, oh God, I couldn't do that seven times in a day. Increase our faith. That's pretty weak. That's pretty weak disciples. They're supposed to be disciples, act just like him. They're not acting like anything but a heathen right now. They said, Lord, increase our faith. Oh, my gosh, I couldn't forgive that many times a day. You could forgive everybody every, as many times as you need to a day. And you'd be smart to do so. All right. Now, look, we'll pay attention to this. And so they said, increase our faith. And, and Jesus is going to give us the key to this. And the Lord said, if you had faith, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed... It doesn't say you might in the Greek. It says it, you would say under this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up and cast into the sea or whatever uh, by the root and be thou planted in the sea. And it would, it would obey you <laughs> if you had faith like a seed. Now, sometimes people get hung up. Well, how big is a mustard seed? Well, it's pretty tiny little seed in the natural world. I remember girls in eighth grade, I don't know why all the girls had those little pendants with a glass thing with the mustard seed in it. Just reminds me of eighth grade girls. I don't know why. But it's really not about the seed. It, Jesus is saying, use the faith that you have. You're not using the faith you have. Then I read an article or heard somebody talk about this that they called the University of Jerusalem and talked to somebody about a mustard seed in the land of Israel. They said a mustard seed is the only one of the only seeds in the world you can't cross-pollinate. You can't make a hybrid out of it. When it's time for it to pollinate, whatever you try to pollinate it with to cross-breed it, it won't take it. It'll still be a mustard seed. It's that stalwart. It's that firm. It's that resolute. It's that adamant. That's what he's saying. When your faith is so adamant that you won't let anything hybrid you, you don't let doubt, fear, and unbelief come in, what your grandma said or something else, or what your buddies at work said, then you could get things done with your faith. Amen. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? Yes, sir. Praise God. He said, if you had faith, it's just a, a grain of mustard seed, you would say under the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. I heard another story, a guy telling this. He said a guy got out of his car with his wife and him and his neighbor had a big tree on their property line. He wanted to cut it down. His neighbor didn't. Every time he'd get out and park his car, that tree would be there and he'd say, I curse you in the name of you. Be uprooted by the roots. And his wife got tired of him saying that, rolling her eyes and going, oh, brother. And she'd go on in the house. They got up one day and that tree was uprooted by its root and planted in his yard. It just fell over in his yard, roots and all. He had lawn furniture out there by it. That wasn't even turned over. He got what he believed. Amen. See, you can do it if you need to. I'm not talking about talking to trees, but there's an object lesson for us to realize things. Jesus talked to the wind. You know, people are always saying God's trying to put something to teach us. Well, if he was, Jesus rebuked God because he rebuked that wind. Calm the sea. Didn't he? Yeah, he sure did. I mean, he's, he's out. He gave you the word, we're going across the lake, and he went to sleep. All his disciples were in the flesh and natural. Oh, my God, we've got to get him up. We're all going to drown. They were thinking, this next big wave, we're goners. Jesus stood on the bow of that ship and said, peace, be still. Just calmed right down, didn't it? Yeah, sure did. Praise God. Your faith can grow. Your faith can mature. And you're, if you'll start saying things, saying things that are yours in your covenant. Let me show you something over here. I didn't have this in my notes, but I just, where is that at, Father? Uh, I think it is 2 Corinthians. Let me check it real quick. 2 Corinthians. Uh, let me see here. Ver 2 Corinthians chapter 1. In verse 20, just give me a minute to chill out. I'm chilling down. I'm not going to keep you unduly. But I've still, they didn't reset this, so I'm going by that. 6140-something. So that's 51. 51 minutes I've been talking. I hope you haven't, I haven't lost your attention. 
But it says here, verse 20, 2 Corinthians 1.20, For all the promises of God, how many of them? All the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him, amen, or amen means so be it, unto the glory of God by us. So every promise that you find in the Scriptures, every single one of them is yours. It'd be like God wrote all the promises out. I don't, somebody said there was 7,000. Somebody said there was more. I don't know. I've never counted them. But whatever there are, there's a yes box and a no box. And Jesus took a pen and went through all the yes boxes. That's my will for my people, yes, for all the promises of God. So you, by reason of understanding that, we have access to all the promises of God. And there's a scripture to go with every situation. How many know what I mean? Yeah, praise God. Let me, let me go back here just a second. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I think I am going to say a little bit about this one passage here. And then I'm going to stop. I'm going to put my paper up so you really believe me. <laughs> I hope you're getting something. Seeding for your future. You know that uh, I'm going to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm coming right back to you. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 8, Paul said to that church, there's no reason for me to tell anybody about your faith at that church. Your faith is so spread abroad everywhere knows you're a faith church. Isn't that amazing? He would call that church a faith church. And then in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, his same church, but about a year later, as I've been able to study it, it's about a year later, he said, your faith has grown exceedingly in one year's time. Now, I know some of you think I'm challenging you. That's too long. You want it to be in two days' time. But let me just say, a year's not that long if you're thinking like I'm thinking. Some of the things I've been saying, I haven't seen it come to pass yet. And I've been saying some things for quite a while. But I just stay with it. Because I know all the promises of God are yes and amen. So you could take a year's time and you could already have faith going to some level. Like Paul commends this church, Thessalonica. I'm in Corinthians. But by the second year, one year later, he says, you guys have, your faith has grown exceedingly. And your love towards each other has excelled too. That's another thing we got to work on. See, there's other factors to this. <laughs> yeah, hallelujah. Now look at this uh, quickly here, just a verse or two as we talk in final. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, I think 28 and 29. But God hath chosen, you know, Dr. <laughs> Dr. J, Dr. Jordan. Jordan this morning, the pastor Jordan was talking about choosing says, God's chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. You know, you could be thinking, well, Dr. Jacob said I could just say things and they would come to pass. If you believe and doubt not in your heart, they'll come to pass. And if you stay with it. Yes. You've got to evaluate yourself. What level of faith am I in? Am I in kindergarten, first grade, seventh grade? Am I a college graduate in faith? I don't know. You have to answer those questions for yourself. And like I've said before, sometimes when you get moving with God over a different level, things you used to think about, it was, it, I just live in it and walk by it. There's time, and I have to use my faith. Don't misunderstand me. I'm always using my faith. I think about my faith every day. That's why I made a purpose. I'm going to forgive everybody before I meet them. Because some people will sure irritate me if I let them, and I'm not going to let them. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm talking about carnal people out in the world. I cut through traffic one time. I didn't mean, to, I guess I was too close to that guy, and he gave me a finger out the window. And then we both got stopped at the stoplight. Well, I didn't roll down the window and say anything to him. I didn't want to get out and go with him on that. I didn't mean to do anything. I just said, Father, I'm sorry if I did anything wrong. Please help him to forgive me. Thank you so much for your encouragement. I'm saying that God's chosen to the natural mind. What I'm teaching you sounds like craziness. You're going to have to do more than say it. But saying's involved in working faith. You can't tell me you have faith and never talk right. That's impossible. <laughs> but it's not just saying it. But saying is an element that's involved in doing it. And believing in the heart's the other part. But if you say something long enough based on the word, faith will get in your heart. And then when it comes back out of your heart, it comes with creative power. Yeah. 
And it creates for you what you've been saying. Jesus said the good man out of the good deposit brings forth good things. The evil man out of the evil deposit brings forth evil things. But here in, in Paul's writings, God chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God chose the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. I think that's kind of interesting here. And the base things of the world and things that are despised. I've had people act like that. Well, I just despise that you told me I have to talk right. Well, he talked about you right here. <laughs> you told me I got to put a watch over my mouth. Well, you must be some of these if that's the case. I don't think you're talking like that to me. I'm just giving you some insight. You talk to people at work and they're not ready to receive that. They'll think you're crazy. But I'm telling you, you can't, how could you be crazy doing what Jesus told us to do? And he chose this method. <laughs> I'm not that smart to have figured that out. That's why I'm just doing what he chose for me to do. Yeah. He chose this. And let me show you here. And verse 28, and the base things of the world and things which are despised, has God chosen, yea, and things which are not, in O-T, to bring to naught, N-O-U-G-H-T, things that are. So I can take the word and my faith, which isn't seen, but I can change things that are. And, and it says here to bring to naught. And that word naught in the Greek means to reduce to inactivity or to reduce to zero. Things that have been a problem for me. Things that have been a problem for me. You might, feel, you might think with me here. Things that have been a problem for you. You could take the word of God that you can't, you could see the print, but you get it in your heart and speak it out your mouth, and it'll change everything to get into line with what you're saying. You know, somebody told me in a picture, like the newspaper or whatever, it has so many dots. And it has pictures in the paper. Paul, you'd know about this. You'd come up in printing business somewhat, uh, and Willie too, maybe. But they'd have a picture of a guy fishing on a bank. They have a picture of a car crash. They have a picture of a train derailing. But see, whatever you want, the same dots are in every picture. They're just rearranged to make the picture different. Think about the Bible as God's faith dots. You can create a blueprint out of his faith dots. And once you get that blueprint in here, it'll automatically come to pass. I remember the day we stood, well, maybe right in this area because I added this new section on later. And since this church started, we added this on later, this section right here, I think from that joint all the way back. But when we had the original, we didn't even have the other building here then. We were just, it was just dirt. We came and dug a hole somewhere out in here in the dirt. And about 20 of us, I had some shovels. And some of us threw some money in the hole and somebody picked it up and took it to the bank and that was the start of the building program and you're sitting in it. Then we had blueprints drawn up. You know, they're like three feet by two or three feet, whatever the measurements are. We couldn't all got on that piece of paper and had church. This is our church. Well, I can't even get on the paper. No, the paper's just the blueprint. Then we hired a contractor to build what we had in the blueprint. Am I making sense? God's faith dots. If you don't like the way things are going, change the image. How do I do that? You do it by saying what, you, what God has said about you. You're the righteousness of God. You have the wisdom of God. You're redeemed from the hand of the enemy. You're sanctified. You're called. You're a holy people unto God. Hallelujah. You getting this? Don't rearrange the dots. Just get the image you want based on the word and let it paint an image on the inside of you and that'll come to pass. All that'll come to pass. It'll all come to pass. It'll all come to pass. 